0: Hello, and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mosk, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we're discussing the first episode of Campaign Skyjacks, the interactive fiction game Stay by E.J. Lomax, and the Twitter thread fic Still Waters, aka Turtle Creek. and welcome to episode 79 these newfangled toys <laughs> i'm alex and i have created an rpg system i'm freya and i have written chatfic i'm macy and i've done audio fiction
1: we are three redheaded fantasy authors
0: and today we're talking about some new forms of media and how technology has intersected with them and Uh, Of course, the relationship between the author and the audience and all of that good stuff, very on brand, I think today will be. Uh, But before we get into all of that, what are we reading, Fellow Serpents? It is the holidays, sort
1: of. (laughs) So I have been reading even more than usual and have also been eaten by a television show, which is unusual for me. So Mm -hmm. I reread... Um, a hit romance novel called Untamed by Anna Cohen this is a historical romance it is the queerest hit romance you will ever read mm. in your life, it is doing mm. some very interesting things with gender roles gender presentation it's full of feelings it's a bit unrealistic even by the standards of a Regency historical, but you kind of just mm. go with it and accept what it's doing and I think it's amazing and I think most of the listeners of this show who are at all into romance would enjoy this one I also read, drumroll please, an arc (gasps) of The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo. Ah,
0: We're all so very jealous of you. This is the Great Gatsby thing, right?
1: Yes. So I also did a reread of The Great Gatsby for the first time since high school. I could remember (laughs) very little about it because I read it in high school. And not being in America, we didn't really dig into the whole American identity, American dream thing. But we still read it. And I have no memory of the context whatsoever. So I reread that and I reread it concurrently with reading The Chosen and the Beautiful. So I could see exactly what Nevo was doing in terms of reusing scenes, Mm reusing specific pieces of the text, uh, bits of dialogue. Mm. But this is a magical retelling of The Great Gatsby focusing on Jordan Baker, who in this version is a magician and an immigrant. She's a um, transracial adoptee and mm. it's very queer and it's doing something of very course. specific with how it interrogates the original text and it's out in June 2021 and you should all read it it's really good yeah.
0: <laughs> June of this year because it is now 2021 it's January 1st
2: uh, yes <laughs> January 1st everywhere apart from Australia where it's January 2nd Correct it is
1: <laughs> yeah 2021 is already old news here <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, fine, fine. Um, what else have you read? I also
1: read from the future a book called "These Violent Delights" by Micah Nemereva. So there are a couple of books called "These Violent Delights" that came out oh. uh, in the latter half of 2020. This is not the Romeo and Juliet Shanghai retelling one. This <laughs> is the other one, uh, and what? this is a queer, dark academia kind of set oh, in gosh. the 1970s in America. It's not magic. But it's quite dark and about obsession and a very uh, toxic, obsessive friendship which turns into a relationship. It's like if you took a Patricia Highsmith novel and took all of the gay subtext and exploded it up to make it text and then added in some of the secret history and a lot of murder. It's really good, but quite dark And Mm. it's very intense in terms of the emotions and the portrayal of someone who really doesn't like themselves at all. And that can be tough for me. I often don't have a lot of patience for that. But something about the way it was framed and the way it was written, the writing is just amazing in this book, really, really worked for me. So that's a mixed bag of books. And in Mm. the last three days, I have fallen headfirst and have now watched 30 episodes
2: of the Hikaru
1: no Go. C-drama remake. 1-3
2: three, or three zero. Three zero. Good God. lord, Freya, you've really been binging that, huh? For fuck's sake, somebody on the Hikago people on Twitter was like but it won't take you that long to watch because Fre- ask Freya how long it's taking her to watch and I'm like do not come into my home and speak to me of the speed at which Freya watches video shows because when I was trying to watch Untamed with you I had to download episodes and watch them on the bus to work to keep up because I can only do
1: shows by binging when I have free time I understand I'm going this, back to work it's... in two days so I have to finish it before I go back to work and run oh, out of God. free time Time again.
0: Here's, oh, here's the shocking thing. I was also watching the Hikago uh, mm. Chinese drama and I got up to like episode six and I am the one with all the free time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, for people who are not aware, Hikaru
1: no Go was originally God. a manga and anime, which I never actually read or watched. But I know that Macy has talked about on the podcast quite a bit. It was
2: Macy's first formative
1: fandom. Macy, Macy's formative fandom. And this is a retelling of the same story, but set in China and as a live-action drama. And it's essentially about a young boy who gets possessed by a haunted Go (laughs) go board and a very beautiful and petty bitch of an, an ancient Go player who just really wants him to play a lot of Go and and of course it's a drama so there's a lot of really interesting side relationships and friendships and it follows him from childhood through to high school through to becoming like a young professional go player and i haven't finished it yet but i've been really enjoying it it's got all of the tension that's in a good sports anime but instead of sports, it's a board game that everyone takes extremely
2: seriously.
0: It's kind of a sport. Extremely. It's kind of a sport, though, in the same way that yeah, chess is a sport. Chess is a sport. Chess is a oh, sport. Yeah, no, so It's
1: treated very much in the yeah, world yeah. and in the narrative as a sport. Like, the narrative is yeah, exactly the right. same. Uh, right. But it's right. still a board game. Anyway, I, I've been really enjoying that. <laughs>
2: I'm very amused that it's coming out the same time as the chess show.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We did have an episode about that board games. <laughs>
2: so,
1: oh, ooh, God. I didn't know. Anyway, I am on the verge of, I'm sure, getting Macy to dive in and join me in this particular drama hell. But Macy, what that's... have you been reading meanwhile?
2: <laughs> Darling listeners, Macy watched an episode of the stupid Chinese version of Hikaru No-Go last night. Yay! With a large mug of mulled wine. I hate you all. Ah, uh, it's fine. There's, so... If you watch this, darling listeners, there's a lot of throwing up in the first episode. I watched about half of it on mute with like my hand between me and the TV screen because Macy doesn't like that, but I got through it because of the power of friendship <laughs> and
1: I'm uh, it's fine friendship it's and fine, tiny really. repressed go children with their buttoned up
2: shirts
0: and their the angry
2: Acura eyes the version looks like an alien and that child is not
0: okay beautiful ancient Chinese ghosts he's the perfect oh boy God. he is the perfect boy you guys Actually,
1: all three of the main characters are petty bitches and it's great
0: mm. Macy mm-hmm. what have you been reading
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Macy has not read any books because Macy forgot how to do anything that wasn't play Hades. Macy has played Hades through more than 120 rounds now and each round is about 45 minutes long. Please kill me. I think that
0: counts um, though because I think that games also have deep literary merit. ha uh, he-
2: Hades has deep literary merit, but also I like punching things with my punchy gloves. Yeah, yeah but sometimes you're looking for merit
1: and sometimes you're looking to just kill some things.
2: Yeah, it's been a hard year and I needed some stuff to not think while doing. But I did take a look when I was like, Macy's read nothing this month. That can't be right. Um, and I realized that over the course of a three day fugue earlier this week, I read 424,000 words in a single Boku no Hero Academia fic which is like a fusion with Sixth Sense, and it is called Yesterday Upon the Stair by Pit Viper of Doom, in which our main character from this superhero child school anime can talk to dead people and it's creepy 424,000 words in three days see that this
1: is just the three days that I have spent watching the Hikago Sea well, drama this is
2: the thing This is the the second half of the thing I told my, my Hikago buddies was like you cannot count things when Macy says how long it takes her to read a book you cannot count things when Freya tells you how long it takes <laughs> to watch a TV and Macy also cooked an entire chicken in the oven for the first time ever and is very proud of this fact because it took me as fucking long as it takes me to what to read a book. Applause for Macy. Thank you. Thank you. And I haven't died and I think it's cooked and no one has food poisoning and we're all very proud. We're very, Alex. very proud.
0: Uh, <laughs> Please save me. I will save you, Macy. Uh, I will always come to save you. Uh, I too <sighs> have not really read any books because I have just forgotten how to read things. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, so I've been watching a bunch of like fun documentaries and nonfiction Mm. TV shows most of them are British um 24 (laughs) hours in the past is a documentary series about um like six celebrities who are dressed in shitty Victorian clothing (laughs) and they're basically they basically like set up this immersion camp for like what it was like to actually live in the victorian era for people of the lower classes and they start at like like just sort of like the average shitty lifestyle of the the victorian period and then it gets progressively worse and worse and worse and then like the last episode is like what it's like to live in a workhouse and so every time they spend like 24 hours like in this one setting um doing things and living the life and and working the way that people would have back then. Macy, did you have a question? I have a very silly question. Yeah. Did they have period-accurate nipple piercings? You know what? I did not find that out during this show, <laughs> but I know that uh, nipple piercings Victorians are- Victorians them! Victorians <laughs> did love nipple piercings, this is actual canon fact. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also watched uh, The Repair Shop, which is a really really sweet, very like low stakes, low stress british tv show about this like shop where people bring like their heirloom items that are kind of broken and mm-hmm. need to be fixed and these really skilled talented craftspeople take them apart and fix them and put them back together again so they look like they should and it's like i was in this weird state where like I could not deal with any suspense whatsoever. Like even the great mm. British bake-off is like I was like, no, I can't do that. It's too suspenseful. It's too much tension. I can't deal with that. Uh but the repair shop is like zero tension whatsoever because the whole point of it is this thing starts out the worst that it's going to be, and over the course of the episode it gets better. Uh rather than like have it starting out okay and then like dramatic low point, y- etc. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I also watched History Cold Case, which is another documentary series about Um, A forensics team that looks at like historical skeletons from hundreds of years ago and tries to identify like cause of death and so forth. And that was amazing. And I started watching The Legend of Fei, which is a new Chinese drama featuring one of the actors from The Untamed. (gasps) That was it. And Macy has some news, I believe.
2: I have. I have a small news uh, for future listeners, uh, which is today, January first. The past, I had a small story come out with *Baffling Magazine*. Uh, it's called "Birds Are Trying to Reinvent Your Heart," and it is about a ocean goddess um, being a gay disaster and being sad about that fact. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. So for very messy. Very messy. <laughs> He's a little bit
1: incoherent. That bit reminds in character. me, I actually had a story out yesterday oh, Freya. Also, and forgot <laughs> amazing <laughs> I had a story out in an anthology which was put out by the Canberra Speculative Fiction Guild called Unnatural Order which is about Ooh. monsters as protagonists
2: Ooh, and so my story that's quite Freya
1: yeah well i haven't written that many that would count for this but i did write a story called eat prey comma love
2: love
1: <laughs> phrase spelled p-r-e-y about a carnivorous mermaid having a very very bad day
2: which you should send as a reprint to mermaids monthly if you haven't
1: possibly yes but i wanted to wait for it to actually come out and be available yep. to buy in this anthology first
0: that, yep. that, is yep. A yep. Mood. Yep. that is a mood um shall we have an episode well, i Let's think we should go. have an episode because i'm really excited about this one
2: Aha! Uh-huh. What are you excited about, Alex? Well,
0: okay. Well, one of our tentpoles is probably my favorite podcast. Like, probably mm. my favorite podcast, mm. uh, "Campaign Skyjacks" uh, by the One Shot Podcast Network. Uh, you have heard me, dear listeners, talk about Skyjacks before. If you have been with us for a while, Skyjacks is an actual play rpg podcast uh meaning that it you're basically listening to a bunch of friends play a role-playing game uh with their characters and it's amazing and it's good and uh james damato is a fantastic uh, game master uh and it is about uh sky pirates uh, which in the setting are called skyjacks uh and we only, I only made my fellow serpents, <laughs> my fellow slurpents <laughs> oh my listen God. to uh, a single episode, just the first episode. Uh, and so you only get sort of the the uh, first hints of the plot, yeah. uh, which is that these members of this pirate crew, uh, who aren't really like ranked members of the crew, like they're not highly ranked, but- Just s- random pirates. They're just random pirates, right? And they have banded together, to keep up the pretense that the captain is still alive, because the captain (laughs) is currently kind of a zombie... Uh, he's dead, and they have to Jaw falls off, His jaw falls off. They have to do this, like, Weekend at Bernie's thing with the captain, right, (laughs) to convince the rest of the crew and the rest of everyone that the captain is still alive so that the debtors won't come and, like, reclaim the ship or bad things happen, etc. It's so good, it's so funny, and it does some really amazing things with scene setting in even just, like, the first 10 seconds of the first episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I loved it and I would love to hear what you guys thought of it.
2: So I really enjoyed this. I really find that the kind of actual play genre does some really cool stuff with character, right? Because mm. you're essentially having multiple player characters who are each run by an individual quote unquote author. Yes. Um, I don't know if to say author or actor um, because it's kind of kind a of merge both. of both. Yeah right yeah but you get this really cool thing where everybody is contributing together and coming up with things on the fly and the the course of the story the game master kind of has an idea where it's going and is steering but they aren't really in control Right? Um, and so it's this really cool amalgamation. Mm. Um, and this one was very fun because the actors were very charming and funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They do some really good stuff with improv
1: too. Mm, and that mm-hmm. multiple character, but each person having a character that is theirs that they steer and know the mm-hmm. best, reminded me in some ways of my deep, dark teenage past on Live Journal RPGs. Yes!
0: Yes. 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 So
1: I wrote for ages in the in the Milliways RPG, which was like multi-fandom characters interacting. And sometimes it would literally just be two people sitting in a bar, having a conversation. And sometimes you would, a group of people would come together and come up with an arc and say, okay, here's the basic idea. Here's the background. Here's what we're going to accomplish. But all of the on the ground decision-making and dialogue was still you writing your character. Here's your comment. Somebody else writes their character. And so it was interesting to see that echoed, than in mm-hmm. uh, in the, the this particular medium,
2: and it is a whole genre, right? There's a whole bunch of different podcasts that do this, and YouTube channels mm-hmm. that have, it's gotten really popular because mm. I know that um who are the the Mabam Bam Boys? What, oh, the Cop, Adventure Zone, called?
0: the
1: Adventure Zone. Yeah, and I think the Adventure Zone and Critical Role were becoming mm-hmm. big, more or less, in, like from my perspective at the same time. Like I started to hear about. Yeah. Big RPG fiction things becoming very popular and having huge audiences uh, a few years ago. I think They're obviously I think they existed before then, but that's when it sort of burst into public consciousness mm-hmm. in terms of fandom.
0: Yeah, in my mm-hmm. perception, I think Critical Role came first, but I don't I don't know that they were like the first uh, actual play podcast. I don't think that they were. Um, mm. Like, I'm pretty sure like podcasts have been around for like a dozen <laughs> years at this point, and so mm. like it's not a new thing to be doing this but I do I do get the sense that we are seeing more and more like actual play podcasts and that Mm. it is something that that the audience really enjoys and hungers for because I think that like, you get the sense of sitting at a table with your friends and like getting Mm. to participate in that sense, like even if you're not participating directly in the game, you're participating in kind of like the parasocial relationship that's happening there, you know.
2: Well, and I think that it's really interesting looking at this and asking is like a comedy improv show is not a story right it's not meant to be Mm -hmm. um these are stories to a degree but how does a narrative arc work when you're kind of learning how to fly by missing the ground
0: right right because looking at it from the perspective of the game master which is the closest thing that we have in this medium Mm -hmm. to a quote-unquote author like you have to Put a lot of trust in your players, I think, to like count on them to be engaged with the story and to take agency in the story and to drag the story ahead. Um, Because Mm -hmm. the game master can't be the only one saying, like, okay, here's what happens. Um, What do you do? Uh, Like, it can't just be reaction. Like, the the players have to have, like, impulse and drive and to keep the motives of their characters really central in their hearts. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I think that can be very compelling.
1: And there's Mm -hmm. a balance if you are playing just for yourselves versus playing for an audience. Yes. So I think when when you were seeing the Adventure Zone play out, the balance arc especially, it began as just, here's a fun thing that we're going to play among ourselves. We're putting it out as a podcast. We know there's an audience Mm -hmm. because they are very good at playing to an audience. Uh, But there wasn't that sense of there is a narrative arc that we are working towards until a little bit further in, once Griffin had actually come up with an overall narrative arc. And I found interesting in Skyjacks, rather than the Game Master just plunging the characters and the players in and saying, okay, I kind of know what's going on, let's improv from here, you (laughs) got a great sense of a lot of work had been done in the background before we Mm. even got to the very first scene. All the the players had an agreed-upon backstory that they knew And that they were deliberately withholding from the audience, the listener, Mm -hmm. in order to drip feed it in the most interesting and narratively satisfying and or amusing way. Like, every character knew that we are weakened at burnying the captain was Mm -hmm. the background. Mm -hmm. But the listener doesn't know that until you get halfway through the scene where someone's jaw has just fallen off. Right. (laughs) Because it's, it's not just we're playing for ourselves. It's we are collaboratively telling a story to an audience
2: and it reminds me you talking about it like that now of how it felt to be putting together a pitch for a cereal box with a bunch of friends Mm -hmm. uh which i I did a couple of years back um and that sense of almost being in a writer's room uh which is something i think we'll talk about a little bit later on yeah Uh, like the collaborative um thing between people for a tv show Um, and how what you put on the page isn't everything that you've talked through, necessarily.
1: Mm, Right. Absolutely. And it it was surprising to me, the only other actual play podcast that I've listened to is the balance arc of The Adventure Zone, the extent to which this one, especially at the beginning, focused on very careful syntax in terms of the language of film. Like, Mm. we see Mm. this, we zoom in on this, we cut Mm. to this specific image, and that is very much... That is a story delivery that's not a that's not improv that's not a game being played it's a here is where we want you to look here is the vision we are specifically eliciting and now we will draw a card and do some improv
0: right We are making a movie happen in your head and it's it's really cool and like besides that there's also the element of music because mm-hmm. especially in skyjacks like uh, the adventure Zone did a some really really cool stuff with music, but it never quite got to the level of the music is almost an extra narrator in the way that it does with skyjacks uh because like once you listen to and like you can't really tell as much in the first episode because you have to like listen to like two dozen hours of it to like get the sense that the music is like contributing so much to the narrative
2: well and it's like the things that i always bring up when we watch stuff like the witcher or the husband's show yeah um which is the person of interest (laughs) dear dear listeners it's called
0: person of interest
2: Yeah, that, it doesn't really matter what the show is, right? <laughs> but the point is that there's shows where you have the uh, the, the musical cue, the auditory cue, yeah. like The Witcher, the down, 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 down. Oh, Geralt's about to do something dramatic. right? Um, and that kind of cueing, it really does, I think, fall on the producer and creator of the show to decide they're going to invest in that way and to have that kind of mindset. But yeah. it is something, it is one of the things you can almost only do in audio, um, and visual that has audio attached right but you couldn't do that in a book in the same way you could try to cue music and you know like McCaffrey does in the Bard's books right but it doesn't work quite the same
0: right mm. right um, and like music can as as we see like again in the first 10 seconds of the first Skyjacks episode like it lends so much like texture and depth to the the scene setting like you immediately get a sense of like what you're supposed to be feeling and you're anchored into the story mm-hmm. it's very sort of effective.
1: almost genre queuing in the same way yeah. that like um setting and costumes would like if it was purely visual even just a single image of what are these people wearing and what does the world look like gives you an immediate genre cue and i found the music quite helpful for genre queuing
2: mm-hmm. even just mm, with yeah. a
1: single episode
2: it was, it was sort of vaguely uh, Pirates of the Caribbean-ish, wasn't it? The music. But speaking of things that one can only do in a particular genre. Yes. Um, let's talk a little bit about interactive fiction. Yes, please. Um, with a friend of the podcast, EJ Lomax's stay, question mark. Very important question mark. <laughs> Very important question mark, which I believe Alex helped to beta test. Is I that right? did
0: beta test it, I did, yes. And it was incredibly cool and fun i saw it very much towards the end while she was still putting like the the finishing touches and polishes on it so
2: stay for our darling listeners is an interactive text adventure sort of like a choose your own adventure book used to be but it's a bit more of a game than that um in which you are a student at a university in a magical world who has to make some decisions about their future and spoilers for the game stay by EJ Lomax <laughs> because we really can't talk about it without spoiling it um a little bit which is that you discover that one of your classmates has been time looping and trying to save the world from a war in their country and from a comet that is going to crash into their planet and kill everyone um and you reach the end of your life and the classmate brings you with them to stop the comet and they say, I can't do this anymore. This is as good as I think I can manage. I'm going to stay. It's on you now. And they pass you the artifact and you wake up back in your dormitory at university with some choices to make.
0: I just got chills while you were describing it. Oh my God. It's so good, you guys. It's so much fun. Um, and I did get chills the first
2: time, like round, the second time you see the text on the screen, wake up, because yeah. that's what you get the first time through and you're like, oh, I see what we're doing. And so this is both a game in that there is a mystery you have to solve. You have to go to places, pick up clues. You have to do things in a particular order so you can get the things you need. But it's also a story. And it's almost as much of a world building as a story. Mm -hmm. You can explore, you can marry different people, you can go on adventures. But it all comes back to this idea that your choices matter. Um, and that it's up to you to decide how this story goes in the one iteration that will become canon. Hmm. It's like, it's a
1: Groundhog Day story where you are the protagonist and there's not Mm -hmm. necessarily one single fix. Like, there's not one thing that's going to snap things out of it necessarily.
2: Right. You have to pick what's important to you to solve and what isn't. Who is important
0: to you to save and who isn't. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, And, like... The thing that was really impressive to me was just how intricate it was it was built um mm-hmm. ej lomax did an incredible job and i told her about this when i was beta testing like i she we, we kind of like sat down to have a conversation uh to like discuss feedback and and so forth and she was like oh did you get to this storyline and i was like Wait, there was there's a whole storyline I missed oh, yeah, because I thought that I was being like really thorough and like trying to get like everything because like, that's mm-hmm. how I was and am with choose your own adventure novels. Like when I was a kid is, reading yep, adventure yep, novels, yep. I Find used every to, page. yeah, I used to just like start at the first page and just like read it, quote unquote, out of order, cover to cover because I wanted to oh get all God. the storylines. So it was it was like incredibly fascinating to me to discover that I had missed storylines.
2: <laughs> what did you miss?
0: I don't remember what it was, and I don't think that I got it when I was uh, mm. replaying. I think it had something to do with uh, finding the jewel in the forehead of one of the lions. Oh, God.
2: Did you do that? <laughs> All righty then! No, I did not. Yeah,
0: well.
1: <laughs> this, this kind of debrief reminds me, and again, I'm going to compare this to a completely different type of narrative medium. Have you heard of the live-action theatre experience Sleep No More?
0: Vaguely, really? Okay, very so this is a
1: play that is run in New York and I went to it on Halloween in New York a few oh years God. ago, which was, uh, it was great, but also it was very crowded because everyone was like, let's do it for Halloween and it was packed. Mm. But this is a play that is run in a warehouse, so there's multiple stories and what mm. happens is that the actors, who are mostly doing dumb show, there's very little actual speech walk through the house and do the play. And mm. so there's like a fight scene in this room at a certain time and there was mm. like a dance scene in, a, in the ballroom at this certain time or there's like you know very extravagant sort of dumb show things and it's loosely based on Macbeth but with mm. elements of like I think film noir and like some other things but the point of it is you can go anywhere in the house at any time And if you you happen to intersect with some of the story being told, great, but you can't be everywhere all at once. And you can, if you want to, just wander through and like pick up books and read the props and like find letters in drawers that give you more of it. And it was fun. But at the same time, like, you would have to go and do it huge amounts of times to see I, everything. And, yeah. and people do. People, people go over and over again. And it's actually – I went with one other person, and we deliberately, like, refused to do anything together. We were like, let's just split up. So yeah. apparently, I think the way to get the most out of it, if you can only do it once, would be go with a relatively large group, like about six people, <laughs> and, like, follow different <laughs> actors. And you can. You can choose. You can follow just Macbeth, or you can yeah. follow mm-hmm. – you know, just somebody else, or you can just stay in a room and see what happens in that room, or you can just be chaotic and go wherever you want.
0: That's amazing. It's sort of like an escape room, kind of.
1: (laughs) Sort of, except the the point is just to experience and to work out Like you will only ever see a bit of the story, and so you have to either piece it together with other people or go multiple times. And so talking, talking about stay with a group of people who have all played it, sounds very similar to that. It's like, oh, which storylines did you get? What decisions did you make? How did you experience it?
2: Well, and it is very fun because I'm friends with Emily on on Tumblr and people will send her asks saying, you know, what's the fastest that someone has solved it? And she'll be like, well, six five or six runs but it's not a good ending um right. or you know how many time have you gone through and it's very clear that people are approaching this in very different ways and i think that that's a fascinating aspect of interactive fiction which is how much of yourself you bring to it as an audience member you're not passive you're mm. kind of shaping the story yeah you in right? it to
1: do a speed run to win and find the solution and you're trying
2: to complete it yeah trying to finish it
1: and even even yeah. playing it a few times you got i very much got the sense that that wasn't the the best way to do it like you, know, right. if you want to experience it as a narrative then the best quotation marks way to do it is to play more times and see more of the world and get more story i full disclosure have been a little bit more quiet <laughs> in the discussion of this because i played it three times three loops got nowhere near solving the puzzle and then had to close it because I do not get on well with interactive fiction. And Lacey has kindly described this in the dot points as Freya's anti-choice agenda (laughs) (laughs) because I live to help because you do live to help. This is not anything against the game. I really enjoyed the writing style of the narrative. I could see exactly what it was doing. And I thought this is a really cool idea and a really fun story. But I... It's just not a medium for you. It's just not a medium for me. It's why I don't like playing video games mm-hmm. either. Like, mm-hmm. I don't find video games relaxing. Even the ones that are just like, just explore the world. Just just have fun. Like, that's almost worse. Because <laughs> I get huge decision-making fatigue from my day jobs. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I come yeah.
1: home and write. And writing is just constant decision-making. And so <laughs> if I am turning to some form of media where someone else is providing the narrative... I do not want to have to make another decision. Mm-hmm, My brain sure. just immediately goes into job mode and is attempting to like come up with this you know decision making <laughs> algorithm branches, and I's like, okay,, oh how, what is the best way to do this? And I find it intensely stressful.
0: That makes sense.
1: So not for that me, but a lovely game.
2: <laughs> well, and I wanted to bring up something that a friend of mine, I think it was Kat Manning um said at a convention a long while back about interactive fiction which is that one of the benefits of writing interactively is that you get a degree of audience Mm buy-in because you've given them agency, which gives people a sense of culpability for their choices, right? Um, And for me, that really hit me in this uh, story where there is a point where you need some information that only exists on a drowned city at the bottom of a lake. And the only way you can get down there is by destroying a dam and there are people living below the dam and you're in a time loop right the time loop is going to reset those people will not have died when you wake up again but it took me several loops to be willing to breach that dam
0: yeah yeah and like I I think that I had a similar thing I don't think it took me several loops I think the first time I didn't break the dam and then the second time I was like fuck I have to break the dam and I broke the dam but like I definitely felt that like culpability like you said like oh mm-hmm. shit I'm doing something wrong and I know it's going to be okay because the time loop will reset but still like shit it sucks to have to choose to do the thing that you don't want to do because mm-hmm. in the first loop you kind of just like choose the thing that you yourself would want to do like the the thing that sounds interesting what life do you want to have yeah right 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 and you don't really like think about the choices that you're making and like what effect they're going to have
2: mm-hmm. and i was remembering alex were you aware of the mass effect 3 ending when that was going down in the early 2010s no i wasn't online? so mass effect 3 um basically was the end of a trilogy of kind of a genocidal war across this across the known universe mm-hmm. um and there was a very bleak choice at the end that you had to make um and a lot of people got very upset <laughs> mm. right because you've you've sold them you've spent 3 bio where games worth of time getting to this point yeah um and people had very real emotional connections to it um which I think was, this is a fascinating new media way of bringing that emotional connection. But I think that our next piece also has its own tricks, which mm. are completely different yes. for developing that.
1: Well, it's interesting, before we move on to that one, I'll just say that, that what you said about culpability, basically, probably also explains mm. why I find these so stressful. Because, yeah, like if you're making high stakes decisions, yeah, then it does feel a lot more like that, that, that takes an emotional toll. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's true. It's not just that I don't like making decisions in my medium. I do, I do enough high stakes decision making. I do not want even any more even if the stakes are fictional.
2: Oh
0: imagine. No, yeah, yeah, none yeah, of yep. that.
1: Somebody entertain me. <laughs> I am not putting <laughs> And effort. bring
0: me a glass of wine. <laughs> bring,
1: <laughs> bring me my narrative stakes and then don't expect me to do anything with them. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, yep, so we'll move on now to our third temple. Which is apparently called Still Waters, but I've just been calling it Turtle Creek in my head. i have
2: been calling it Turtle Creek, yes. (laughs) Uh,
1: And this is a Twitter-based fanfic by Mm -hmm. at RorschachIsGay on Twitter. And it is a fanfic for Stephen King's It, basing the characterization on the grown-up versions of the character, so not the kids, uh, as portrayed in the second of the two recent movie Mm -hmm. adaptations. Mm Neither of which I've seen. I've only, I've read the book of it, but I haven't actually watched any movies because I don't like horror movies. Uh, And this is a modern day, uh, completely unrelated to the fantasy horror of It, which sees the characters all as the cast and production crew and a few related characters of a Netflix original TV series called Turtle Creek. It is hosted on Twitter. All of the information is presented through a very, very, very long Twitter thread. (laughs) And most of the story is told in chat logs or um, group chats or texts between people with the occasional other kinds of, I guess, found footage in the form of interviews, Mm -hmm. bits from the script, uh, articles from online uh, across a lot of different types of mediums, like this sheer range of stuff that goes Mm -hmm. into forming this narrative is really impressive. It's a very impressive work of fan fiction. It takes quite a long time to read. And it's quite deceptive because you're on Twitter. So you just keep sort of opening images and being like, oh, this is fine. This is fine. And you're like, oh, God, how many parts are there? Oh, nearly 700. Oh, I'm on 102. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah. am mood.
1: But yes. I think I really enjoyed this the first time that I read it and I enjoyed it even more on the reread. How did you find it?
0: It was masterful. Oh, my God. It took me a little while to get into it because I had no idea of who the characters were or yep. what the plot was supposed to be. And I find that with a group chat fic, that can occasionally happen because it, the focus is more on the relationships rather than the plot. And mm. since I didn't know who any of the relationships were, it was a little bit hard to latch on But once I got into it, I was like so hooked. It was so, so, so good. I think I binge read it for like six hours in one go at at one point. Yeah.
2: It's very funny though, Alex, because I think that you and I both paused at roughly the same point And you came to me and I went to Freya and were like, I'm getting really stressed out. By this one character. Yeah. Are they going to be okay? Like, is this good? Is it okay if I just read the first 200? Yeah. <laughs> <right now>? Like, <laughs> I was like, do I have to read all of this? Yes. Because there's a lot. And also, so it's, um, it's a fic that deals with some fairly um, strong topics, mm-hmm. including, you know, parental abuse, spousal abuse, um, infidelity, coming out, homophobia, um, and, you know, learning to like who you are as a person in the wake of addiction and um breakups and all of this and being vulnerable yeah oh yeah yeah and it's very it's it's powerful and i think that it makes you work a little bit to piece together exactly what's happening between who because yeah. there, there's no prose right so you don't ever get to see the body language you don't ever get to see the inside of people's emotions other than what they say mm-hmm. in chat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that that um it's similar to how uh, sci-fi and fantasy readers want some confusion in their world building they want a mystery to pick apart uh, to feel like they've solved something Right, mm. And I find that you have uh, things stick deeper and hit harder if you have to work for it. But you also have to convince the audience that it's worth mm. it. Yes. And that's a hard balance. Yeah. Yes, And yes, it, yes, because
1: yes, it's yes. a fanfic and we were all reading it not having seen the movie it's based on. So we were all approaching this more or less <laughs> as <mode>. original <laughs> fiction. Uh, so I think for a lo- lot of people the body language and how these people relate to each other and talk to each other would be part of the background knowledge. So they would be starting well, off on a slightly higher step.
2: They only have one movie's worth of content. So like I bet there's there's interactions and things that are happening here that just aren't mirrored in canon. Oh no, but uh, if you
1: want to think about like how does this person talk, how do they hold themselves, you sure. know, how does that dynamic actually play out when they are together in person, that would be some background knowledge. And I think if I was mm-hmm. doing this purely as original fiction, you would want to front load with something non-chat based Sure. like a Vanity sure, sure, sure. Fair article or something that gives that actually does more of personal prose about what does this person look like, how do they hold themselves, how do they talk, because that's what interviewers would describe in an article right, like right. that. But because this was based on a movie and it's transforming not just the characterization there, but it, they used a lot of the behind-the-scenes production photos and photos oh, from okay. this cast who yep. are in a movie – going to Comic-Con or like doing behind the scenes production stuff and hanging out. So the fact that you have this group of actors who made the It movie are now <laughs> making a TV show together, it means you can actually transform not just the ideas of the story, but you can transform some of the behind the scenes stuff, which is really clever. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It was super cool. And that so they they recast some of the characters as the writers and producers, right? Mm. yeah so that was also really very interesting yeah
0: Um,
1: yeah I thought it was really good and so how did you find the idea of it being delivered on Twitter so this is something that doesn't necessarily have to be on Twitter I don't think Uh, a lot of these new media and sort of chat fix that are delivered as screen caps and things are but they Mm. don't need to like this could have been posted on AO3 as just a whole lot of images or even just like chat logs How did you feel about the way the story interacted specifically with the platform in this case?
0: So that's a really interesting question. And so Twitter is a quote unquote micro blogging platform. And I think that and this story in the way that it's told is told in as a micro serial. Right. And so if you put it on AO3, then you would have to update it in larger chunks. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas with this story, I mean, I think while she was doing it, she was updating it with several tweets per day. Each of which usually has between three and four uh, images attached to it, which are the images of the chat logs, uh, the screenshots of the chat logs. Um, But the possibility is there where you could update it with just one at a time, which makes it a little bit more like tiny, tiny amounts of serialization.
2: Well, so here's the thing about AO3.
0: Yeah. Um, AO3
2: doesn't host images. That was what I was going to say. <laughs> right. So there is a technical limitation, which is I have been frustrated many times to go to a fanfic with art embedded and find that the art embedded is a photo bucket logo. Oh God, we've all um, been there. <laughs> right. Um, And so... AO3, back in its conception, lo these many years ago, made some decisions about what they were and weren't going to host. Mm -hmm. Um, Based on the fact that, you know, they're a charitably funded uh, organization that has to pay for their own servers. They don't host images, they don't host audio, and I believe they don't host audio, and they don't host video. Um, And, you know, people are concerned about this because where do you put your fan vids uh, that won't get tossed? Um, But so for me, I do think that technologically... Twitter is probably the best place to host a long series of images. Yeah, it's taking you advantage
1: know? of big social medias hosting money mm-hmm. for yeah. our own purposes. Mm. And beca- Om nom nom. And because a lot of them are sort of screenshot sized images, like it's like you're mm-hmm. looking at somebody's actual phone, it is more or less designed to be read on your own phone. Because Mm -hmm. the images are the right size, mostly, unless you get to some of the interviews and articles and things like that. And because it is, as you said, Alex, microblogging and there are so many installments, it's very easy to stop whatever you want. You just have to bookmark that tweet and then you can go back and pick it up.
2: Well, as somebody with poor hands, um, the, the the clicky, 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 yeah, uh, it clicky, was only clicky. possible because I have a touchscreen laptop. That's true. There is a yeah. little bit
1: of an, ex- there's definitely an accessibility issue. Um, and especially like, can you imagine attempting to do like the alt text or something like this? Oh, like this would not play well with screen readers at all.
0: No, 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 no.
2: Well, I think I should note that we are 45 minutes into the episode and we're still on our tent poles.
0: Well, we're just having a good time. We, we are having film. a good time.
2: <laughs> Before we move on, though, I did want to say I thought it was really cool that Turtle Creek is such a story about being closeted and having secrets and coming to terms with yourself. That is told through the exposure of personal texts, Mm. right, that Mm. you are being let inside the secrets. Like there's a really cool marriage of the meta.
1: Yeah, yeah, it feels very voyeuristic.
2: The theme really marries Mm. really well to the format, which I thought Mm. was extremely cool mm. and the deeper you get into
1: it the more that yeah. is the sense like some yep. of its articles that are public but then you see someone's therapy notes yeah yeah and the first time you see that you get this Oof. okay like i'm really deep in this this private life yeah yes. there,
0: there is that whole mm. that whole metatextual theme but also like story theme of like exposure versus vul- vulnerability versus like the secrets that you keep and- private or in your private life yeah 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 that's a and- really good note macy thank you but also consent um also what do consent, you reveal yeah.
2: what do you consent to reveal and what do you have revealed against your will Yet. but we are short on time so uh, i added this i think i added this question uh which is you know we kind of have three new media formats represented in our tent poles. we have an actual play audio we have interactive fiction and we have a multimedia fic what
0: do they have in common The thing that I always jump to because like I am like big on I'm like your your local bard right like I always think about the, the interaction between the author and the audience and I think that with mediums like this you do have to think about your audience a little bit more than you generally would when you were writing a novel or a fanfic or or something like that because you are thinking about how is my audience going to receive this and you're putting you're putting thought into like Literally, like, what is the technology with which they are going to to receive this? And also, what is the experience that they're going to have while they are consuming this?
2: I think for me that that comes closer to the interactivity question uh, yeah. than, for example, Skyjax. Because um, from that point of view, is Skyjax any different to an audio recording of a novel?
0: Yes, I think so, because I don't know if I can answer it... Now, coherently, I feel like this is a question I might have to think about, but my instinct is like, yes, it's different. No, I can't tell you exactly why right now.
1: (laughs) Well, I think for me, the difference is that if you're doing an audio version of a novel, it's the same as like, you know, you have a paper version of the novel, you can have an audio version, you can have a version of it in an ebook, but it's still just about the words that you wrote. With something like Skydeck, there's a lot more front loading of the user experience. Yeah. How good is your microphone? Like, when do you put the music in? How is it, you know, how is how is it created?
0: And there's Thinking also about
1: the medium the entire way.
0: And there's also the serialization aspect as well, because they're releasing it one episode at a time every week, every other week. Um, and so, like, you are getting more of a conversation between, like, the people who are playing it and, like, the people who are listening to it and reacting to it.
2: You're making me think again now, as always, of Homestuck. Um, yes. And the question is, you know, how much is the creator responding to the audience? This is something we think about, I think, more in fanfic than we do in our pro works. Mm. Because if you're mm. writing a longer fanfic, or even if you're just writing a bunch of fanfics in one fandom, you're getting feedback and comments from your readers about those characters in between. Do you shift what you're writing? Do you adjust yourself? Do you not? Mm. And we we read Turtle Creek all in one chunk as a completed mm, right. work, whereas people you know, would have been it may
1: have been a different experience if you were experienced it as something that was serialized that you were getting bits of chunks. So and we don't know to what yeah. extent there was actually interaction with the author, possibly on other platforms like Tumblr.
0: And also the the thing with Turtle Creek though is that you're also seeing that the author themselves is aware of that relationship between creator mm-hmm. and audience because you have. Tweets from fans of the show. You have the interaction between the cast and their fans, and the cast and, and their audience, and they themselves are talking about, like, should we do another season of this? What do we owe our audience? We can't just leave them hanging, hanging like this. So... Um. I think that um, there's just such a breadth of new media and new media is
2: such a like fucking made up term, guys, audience, <laughs> darling listeners. Podcasts we're, are we're not making, new, it's just radio shows. We, we we picked three pieces that are sort of related um, that all kind of make use of technology to do yeah. interesting new things with storytelling. But mm. um, I think that there's just so much more, there's so many different ways of approaching this. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk a little bit about some other new media formats.
0: Yes. Like Blaze Yes. Like, like <laughs> dear I, I Explain to
2: me, please, how Blazeball is narrative.
0: Well, Blaze Ball itself is not narrative, but <laughs> the fans have built narrative around it. Imagine a castle, right? And oh, so God. like inside the castle you have um like a princess and the princess is Princess Blazeball. And then the fans have like built a wall <laughs> oh, around pla- Princess Blazeball. The wall is not the princess, but the wall is like like supporting the princess and, the and wall protecting is the, not princess the princess. And- and- I think
1: we have a new shirt. <laughs> <laughs> baseball princess baseball brackets the wall is not the princess. The wall is not the princess,
2: the princess Is in the other baseball. Anyway.
1: <laughs> anyway. I, but I, I mean baseball is a crowd sourced world building right, exercise.
0: Right. It's like, like a it's like a a group narrative project like you couldn't do one person could not do this all on their own it takes a Mm. it takes a village well i think that the question is what is media what are we talking about when we're talking about
2: narrative here well okay sure i'm being unhelpful but like how is this any different from following a baseball
0: team well not so much just being existential rather than being unhelpful (laughs) (laughs) Alice. you are shocked would you ever be unhelpful well here's the thing like We're talking about this and I keep thinking about, you know, that anecdote about the first time that the War of the Worlds radio show was released and like everybody freaked out because they thought that it was... they thought that it was a real alien invasion. They thought that it was a real news broadcast about an actual alien invasion. And they like ran outside and they were freaking out and they were like, it's the end of the world. And it wasn't until later that people realized like, oh, this is just a radio show. This is just audio fiction. Well, let's talk about that as another new media then.
1: Yeah. Right? Because I mean, but it's, it's so old. Like serialized yeah. radio shows are very old yeah. form of fiction. Well,
2: but serialized thing things that pretend to be radio right things Great. I'm thinking of um like podcasts something... no <laughs> yeah. sit down Alex I'm losing a word and I Sorry. need a moment because I've lost my fucking word um welcome to Night Vale is what yeah. I'm looking for right yes and yes. Alice isn't dead kind of but like uh the things where you are putting forth the the fiction is where am I going you're saying the thing- like
0: there's there's layers, right? So like it's it's a radio show. It's a podcast, but also it's a podcast that's pretending to be a radio show because the main character is a radio announcer. Yeah, just like the whole
2: found footage genre yeah. of fiction, like the YouTube shows and the movies that are done as, oh, we definitely found this video of aliens for real, guys, for real, for real.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Mm, Or things like um, the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which are, you know, it is Mm. somebody's vlog, but it's actually a story being told. But I agree that that idea of like podcasts have allowed us to return, in quotation marks, to serialized audio telling by taking advantage of things like radio shows do this or Mm. the Magnus Archives, which is about listening to somebody's, you know, something that someone has Mm. recorded for an archive into a voice recorder, Um, or the Bright Sessions, which is about recorded therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. Like, anything that could exist as a recorded tape can then be turned into a podcast fiction.
2: And you're making me think uh, that all of this, really, what we're talking about deep down is the proliferation of broadcast media to infinitely many people, right? right? suddenly any three jackasses with some shitty microphones and too much time on their hands can make a podcast
1: can be in your ears yay
2: we're really sorry and we promise to stop poking around in there but guys it's kind of waxy you should really look at that um do see <laughs> <laughs> that will be your end of episode compliment for today <laughs> your earwax is very yeah. anyway moving on um
1: <laughs> uh. Well, that, yeah, and then there's also platforms that are designed to be spread to as many people as possible that people have then somehow used to make fiction, even if that's not what they were designed for. Right. Like Vine, RIP. <laughs> yeah, TikTok. press F right. in the yeah. chat
0: for Vine.
2: Press F for chat, Yep, <laughs> And TikTok, yeah, I mean, because... It is. It's radio's radio fiction is no longer controlled by the BBC and Channel 4 and Channel 5 paying for you to broadcast the fucking do 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 which I don't know the words for. Um I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody knows what I'm talking our British listeners will know, and no one else will know. I'm really sorry, scribes. I don't think I don't think you can solve that one. The archers! Thank you, Macy's brain. Belated, but the archers was the the play i was thinking of
0: okay what were we talking about <laughs> i was gonna say well, oh the proliferation of media and platforms yeah, the, and, yes. and how it removes yeah, so it's not, you're
1: right it, anybody anybody can make yeah. it but also and anybody can make something that is then mm-hmm. collaborative so tiktok has that duet oh. function that means you can have somebody else's vine, um, vine somebody else's video and then you can react to it or mm-hmm, record mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. else on top of it and there have been people doing like mini musicals with multiple casts where people, anybody can build right. on something that already exists and it's collaborative storytelling through a completely a medium that was never really designed yeah. for right, that, I mean
2: exactly but like, like what you were talking about earlier because all three of us did live journal role plays as kids, right? And that was a live journal micro <laughs> blogging, pla- blogging platform was not designed for kids to fuck around doing improv comedy and drama on. Right. And we did
0: anyway, cause it mm. was cool. But the thing is like, that's, I love this so much because it just goes to show you like how, no matter what technology you hand a human being or a group of human beings, they will eventually hack it in order to use it to tell stories. Wow. And that's just so cool. So it's super cool
2: and I want our scribes to link an article, a talk by the Pinboard Guy called Fan is a Tool-Using Animal uh, about what happened when Delicious fell apart and Pinboard Guy made a rash promise on Twitter and ended up with a 25-page fan brief in like an hour.
0: Oh, I remember reading this but I don't remember much about what it was about just I remember going like oh fandom is so cool you should definitely go read that though I remember it being a very good article <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right so in our last few minutes yes. Um, yes. I wanted to pose a craft slash personal question mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so when we were doing our ones at the beginning of the episode we each discussed which of these particular forms of media we ourselves have either used mm-hmm. or written And I wanted to ask why were you drawn to that particular one, Mm -hmm. that particular type? What about it appeals to or suits your personal approach to narrative? Mm -hmm. Macy, would you like to
2: go first? Sure. So I'll say two things pretty quickly then, because one thing, the first thing I will say is I adore participating in interactive fiction and I think it's super, super cool. I cannot write it. Um, because in my mind at least um interactive fiction benefits on a person who builds their skeleton from the plot um not from the character in my mind there is only one way forward because it's all driven from the interpersonal decisions and and character choices right so Mm -hmm. trying to improvise and have multiple paths and forking and branching doesn't work with my brain so well but I've done audio fiction a couple of times because I come from poetry so when I'm writing I'm always thinking about the rhythm of my sentences Mm. and so I have a piece that's out with Cast of Wonders a long while back called A Cradle of Vines, I have another piece with Glittership that will be coming out eventually that I recorded Um, and so like audio translates really easily but also serial audio Um, I like improv writing right and Mm -hmm. so Writing something that you're doing in smaller chunks and figuring it out as you go along kind of appeals to me from that perspective.
1: Interesting. I mean, that's interesting because I don't listen to audiobooks at all. It doesn't suit how mm-hmm. I actually process same. a story. And so when I'm writing, I do have a sense of the rhythm of my sentences, but I'm never actually thinking what will this be like as an audiobook. I mean, because
2: kind of, of same. how
1: I'm going to be processing Like,
2: it. I'm not necessarily thinking of it from that perspective, but I'm always... My sentences have to taste right in my mouth or I'm not done with yeah. them.
0: Yeah. Oh no, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. For yeah. me too, I, I, I do get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, uh, so I re- mentioned that I made an RPG system, and I think that I'm really fascinated with that because I love actual play podcasts, I think that they're mm-hmm. fascinating. Um, I, As you know, dear listeners, have big thoughts about oral storytelling, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. think that actual play podcasts are kind of like the closest that you can get in the modern day to witnessing oral storytelling happening live right in front of you and other than to go out and actually like see it right um and it is so fascinating to watch this kind of magic trick happen and yes i know that macy is going to say that alex you hate stage magicians i do i do hate stage magicians because they won't tell me what the trick is um but in this case like i i can see how the trick works because i too am a storyteller Mm -hmm. uh so i think rpgs are are fascinating and cool and and i wanna i wanna do that and you may see more of that very very soon dear listeners because
2: that's bad radio alexandra say what they won't see anything because we're on the radio. You may
0: hear more about that very, very soon, <laughs> dear listeners. Mysteries.
2: But, <laughs> you said something really cool about like evolution. um, And that just made me think that, you know, actual play is kind of like people picking up. It, it, it plays with the mutability of story. You give people yeah. clay and it's almost like a fast forwarded version of the thing that happened to the story of Snow White as it got passed around different people's hands. Mm. That's really cool. I like that idea.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Freya, Freya. you get out of
2: this! Freya. I have thoughts about chat uh, trick as
0: well and I'm wondering if you share them because I just wrote a chat trick myself.
1: Well I am thinking mostly about the only book I've ever mm. written that included group yeah. chat and texts as part of the narrative, mm-hmm. which is a novel that I think only Alex?
2: I think so, yeah. I've read. read pieces but I haven't read the whole thing. I've read the whole thing,
1: it's yeah. good! <laughs> yeah so this is this is a contemporary romance novel which is not going to be out for a while if at all and it felt i enjoyed writing the chat because number one writing contemporary just felt very almost like writing fantasy. yeah like it felt like certain parts of my usual creative fantasy writing brain could just turn themselves <laughs> yeah. off because i didn't actually have to be constantly inventing yep how people talked or thinking about the historical context it could just be if this was a group chat full of queer millennials of which I am (laughs) a member of as a queer millennial um, how would these people interact with each other and it became a really fun and very quick way to develop character voice (laughs) um, but also to um, portray how a group of people code switch. Yes, sure. yes, 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 like yes. how is yes. how is our protagonist when he is interacting with his friends in group chat? Yep. How is he when he is texting with the love interest dun, dun. versus what is his actual narrative voice like when you are reading prose? Mm. So for me, I like doing an entire fic in chat would be less interesting. Sure. Like I think you could still do it. And I'd be interested to play around with it and make it more or less of a part of the story. But I found it a really good character breadth
0: mm-hmm. exercise. Yeah.
1: And also it's just fun. Yeah. Like it would I could do a whole lot of jokes and a whole lot of very quick scenes that didn't necessarily add a huge amount to the plot but gave you a bit of a breather between right. like emotional prose scenes. And it just gave you a little jolt of oh and here's a fun interaction with some friends here's a few more jokes here is what he is saying about his emotional state mm, to a group is. of friends that he trusts and how is that different to what he was thinking and feeling in the previous scene mm, yeah mm-hmm. so that was what i enjoyed about that and that because i am quite a character and structure focused person, that was why it suited me.
0: And there's also the element of code switching because there are things that you can do in text that you can't do out loud. For example, post a GIF or use emoji <laughs> mm. or the difference between saying you as in the word Y-O-U or typing you, the letter U. Like and it's this these different elements of code switching and how you present yourself and, and how... You use language to signal what you mean.
1: I remember the first part of that particular story that, Alex, you came into my chat and was like, oh, this is great, was when I had the words several people are typing.
0: Yes, 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 yes. appear
1: At the end of one of those scenes, because it conveys so much. Uh It's like everyone in this chat has something to say about that. Well,
2: (laughs) and what you're making me think about a little bit now is wondering what a secondary world um, chat fic might be like that wasn't Ooh. necessarily twitter chat or anything that we would conceive of as chat you know the 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 pigeons that fly around the abandoned towers of val morgoth um yeah you know because
1: it's so context well, dependent but and that's like,
2: the to, thing i was that, just like, that's why it doesn't work for me is because I'm constantly worrying that the context that I'm reading and writing it from is not going to be the context that my readers who are from different places, who are different ages are going to get from it. Do they know the difference between you and you? Do they know what that emoji about the right. peach means? Mm. And will they in five years' time? Yeah. Mm. yeah. But I think
1: you can do that Like if you are paying attention to the world building you can convey it without having to explain it all. Like I have never interacted on a Discord gaming like chat, but there were bits of Turtle Creek that were like two teenagers chatting over like a gaming (laughs) Discord. And I was like, I can instantly recognize this as something that I am not part of, that has its own cultural mores and like shorthand and languages. And I think that would be a really interesting thing to invent. Like to come up with a whole group of different platforms and then try to convey that context just through how people interact on them. Well,
2: and I think for me, I would have to do that even with our platforms today. My brain would not yeah. be able to turn off that, and so it wouldn't be relaxing for me in quite the same way. But that's really yeah. cool.
0: We really have to stop having an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to force us to stop talking now, even though we are having so much fun with this episode, and we could go on for hours and hours more. Yes. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely, extremely deep literary merit. Ah, it was so hard to make ourselves stop talking for this episode. Uh, It was just so much fun. Uh, I just have such a huge fuzzy affection for interactive fiction in all mediums. Uh, In fact, on the next episode, two weeks hence, on February 10th, we'll be having the episode 80 extravaganza and... Actually, no. I want it to be a surprise for you. Just uh, be sure to block out some extra time to listen because I'm pretty sure that it's going to be a particularly long episode. It's quite different from all of the other extravaganzas that we've done. Uh, If I can get it down to like an hour and a half, uh, that'll be an achievement. Anyway, uh, if you love the podcast, you should tell your friends. Word of mouth is the only way that people find out about us. And if you really love the podcast, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com serpentcast, leaving a review on iTunes, or just sliding into our Twitter at serpentcast, or our email inbox, serpentcast at gmail.com, with your questions, comments, and breathless adulations. And by the way... Um, shit, what was that thing Macy said? Macy said something about how the end of episode compliment was going to be about your earwax, like, since we live in your ears and all. Um, it's very nice earwax. So good job with that. <laughs>